0: let's do this how are you what the fuckers what the fuck buddies what the fuck nicks what's happening i'm mark maron this is my podcast welcome to it it is um have i have i ever said the date ever this is being posted i'm gonna mark the date august 13th 2020 there it is time stamped I don't think I've ever fucking done that. I don't even know why I just did it now. Maybe it'll be ominous. Maybe it'll have some meaning. Maybe it'll it'll have some context at some point. Like, I can't believe that was that day when he said the date and that happened on the... Yeah, let's not. Come on. What are you doing? How's it going? You all right? It's getting weird, right? Getting weird. Getting. Come on, man. I don't know what time it is. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what I did this morning and what I did two weeks ago. I don't know how long those, you know, that, uh, that milk's been in there. I don't know when I cooked that, those potatoes. When I made that quinoa, is that, a, is that two days old or is it a month old? What's happening? Do I look different? Do I? Who am I? Well, I kind of know. I, I definitely know who I am. Where are you at? Jesus fucking Christ, I got another COVID test because I think I'm just going to do that every couple weeks because I can. Makes me feel better for a few days. Spend the afternoon at Dodger Stadium, not for the game. It's different now. Never went to Dodger Stadium for a game. I just go to the parking lot to get a swab, swab my mouth out, stick it in a test tube, throw it in a thing. Day later, negative. And that is good until the next time I walk into a store or buy a person. Got my hair cut. What am I, just rambling now? Don't I have have better, bigger things to say about things? Wish I could fucking sleep right. So listen, Ellen Page is on the show. Uh, You know her from uh, her acting in films like Juno, Inception, the X-Men movies, her documentary show, Gaycation. Um, I just watched a documentary that she uh, produced and directed, co-directed, called There's Something in the Water, which is about environmental racism in Canada. That's streaming on Netflix. Fill your head up with the reality Let your heart sink in the hopelessness. Kamala Harris, Biden's VP pick. I hope that got everybody excited for a couple of days. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It's starting to feel like the fix is in. The big authoritarian powwow. The grifter clusterfuck. The militaristic shit show. The complete brain annihilation of the spirit of America is upon us. I don't want to say I told you so, but I kind of, I didn't tell you so, but sort of on the pulse of this shit, but it could go down. Now, this is the way I think all the time. I I don't know how you think. You know, there's a lot going on. In terms of trying to keep your sanity in this time of plague and uh, political upheaval and delusional bullshit. And also, there's a revelation at hand in that it's really kind of interesting to see how people that you respect and even like and maybe know kind of well and thought were smart are fucking dumb. Just dumb, have no idea how to contextualize news or information have no basic understanding of science. I was talking to somebody I don't know that well about the future and about the nature of what we're going through with this virus problem. And this person said, uh, yeah, you know, they just keep changing, you know, what we should be doing and what's going on. It just keeps changing. There's no, you know, they, and the tone was that, like we're being fucked with somehow as opposed to, It's a new disease. We don't know anything about it, really. We're learning and things are going to evolve in terms of how we see national safety, global safety, personal safety around this fucking illness. It's like, I don't believe them because they keep they keep changing their ideas around it because they don't know. It's unbelievable. So the lack of information on a scientific front is evolving That's a scientific process. What's this? What's this? What's this? Okay, it's not those. Try this. Try this. Try this. All right. Those didn't work. What about this? That worked. All right. So let's stay along this trajectory. Now let's go back. Try this. Try this. Try this. The process. What are people? Children? Why don't they fix it? And I just, I fucking fell through the goddamn floor of my sense of self the other night when I woke up in waking consciousness. Because for me, it was always like, hey, man, you know, whether it's a fantasy or not, if I got a good passport, you know, I could at least go somewhere. Now that's meaningless because we're pig people. And then the back of my brain is like, what if we got to get out? How bad is it going to get? Are there going to be blood? Is there going to be blood in the streets? Do I need to get a gun? I, I can't just get one, right? And what is what are you going to be fighting against exactly? I actually had that moment. It's like, fuck, are all the guns gone? No, this, they're not gone. This is America. Plenty of guns for everybody. Maybe just a bat would be good. I'm going to just swing my bat, swing my way out of the apocalypse. Here's what I learned depending on what kind of brain you have. Maybe don't read Chris Hedges as you're falling asleep. Maybe that's not the the thing to do. Big fan of Chris Hedges. But when you read him, not only do you think that you're not doing enough and that you don't know enough and that you're not smart enough and that you're not seeing things properly, but if you don't do something soon the absolute worst is going to happen. And he's been ringing this bell a long time around what's happening in this country. And I can recommend a piece for you that you should read. Nothing funny about it. And it will fuck your day up. It may fuck your brain up. But it might be what is up. Go look up, go find Chris Hedges, America's Death March. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's written some great books, Mr. Hedges. I've talked to him back in the day. Tried to make him laugh, got him laughing, but it doesn't matter. I mean, that used to be my agenda. When I was back at Air America, we'd do the, you know, like you'd get these heavy hitters on. I'd just be like, I wonder if I can get him to giggle. I wonder if I can get that guy, reporter on the beat of the... Ben Laden situation. Was it Peter Bergen? Yeah, Peter Bergen. We used to talk to him a lot. And he was like the guy writing about Ben Laden and the terrorism. And I just, in my mind, we get him on the phone. I'm like, I wonder if I can get Bergen to crack up. I wonder if I can get Chris Hedges to laugh. Like, what is the big victory? Let him say their horrible truth. Let that sink in. Liberals don't want to... The horrible truth tellers laughing. They just want the horrible truth and to feel like all hope is lost and to get angry. And then if that's fixed, move on to another horrible truth. Fortunately, there are so many happening simultaneously that there's no shortage. Chris Hedges, America's death march. Maybe do it in the mid afternoon. Don't do it in the morning. Don't do it before you go to bed. And don't do it if your brain is at a tipping point already in terms of just how fucking bad the turn to authoritarianism can get. Logically, illustrated in a realistic way. Fucked me up. Thank you for I got a lot of beautiful fan art of my cat monkey that I have to get framed. My point is the things that are going on is that like how things in your head, how th- house things in your house, how things in your in your area. You know, there's that. There's the the sort of um, hygiene of the head, the hygiene of your house, how you keep yourself safe out in the world, and then there's the world. That's rough but your head and your house can be all right. Your neighborhood could be all right. The weather could be all right. And every once in a while you slip into these maybe a half hour, maybe an hour, maybe 10 minutes where you're like, it's nice. It's nice to be alive. And then the fucking world comes bearing down on you. But sometimes if the head is nice and the weather's nice and your house is nice, You might be able to get a couple hours in where you remember what it's like to be you and the life you once had. So here's the thing with Ellen Page. I was nervous about it and I get nervous about all of them. As you know, all of my interviews, there's always a certain amount of anxiety and dread going into it. Uh, only because I don't know the person. And I, and I know she's a sensitive person. She's a, a socially active person, a concerned person, empathetic person. Watched her documentary, seen her movies, respect her. But I also knew that uh, she had done a movie with Lynn, she did Touchy Feely with Lynn. And that was back in uh, 2013. She did Touchy Feely with Lynn back in 2013. So she had worked with Lynn Shelton. And I knew that I wanted to talk to her about that, but I, I don't. I didn't know when. And I felt that from the beginning, that was sort of underneath it. She knew it too. And I chose to wait because I didn't want to start crying. If, if I did at the beginning... So I tried to hold on to it, but I thought that was sort of an undercurrent of what was going on for a lot of the interview. Just sort of like, when's that going to come up? I had a plan, though. I had a plan. But this was nice talking to her. It was nice talking to Ellen Page. Once we got the hang of each other, it worked out very nicely. Uh, she's currently in the Umbrella Academy on Netflix. Seasons one and two are now streaming, as I mentioned earlier the documentary she co-directed there's something in the water which is um heavy but important information to see how corporations are heartless fucking cancers on the face of the planet most of the time that's streaming on netflix as well and this is me talking to ellen page (laughs) How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. Are you uh, outdoors? Are you in a? Are you where? Yeah,
1: are you? I'm in. I'm in a cabin right now. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I watched. Um, I watched the uh, Something in the Water documentary. Oh wow! And uh, it was really informative and really uh, you know opened my mind to stuff. and and I never like I don't know anybody from Nova Scotia. That seems like uh, outside of we can get into the corporate horror and environmental racism but uh let's talk about nova scotia for a minute can we
2: sure yeah
0: (laughs) is it an island it is an island kind of right or no
1: it's a peninsula
0: how many siblings do you have
1: uh two two siblings
0: so three of you are just growing up in nova scotia and uh, and and your parents were like, what? what your like? What'd your dad do there?
1: Uh, my dad is a graphic designer, and my mom is a retired uh, elementary school teacher. A teacher. Yeah. yeah.
0: When I talk to yeah. people who who have teachers for parents, it seems like usually it's a real gift. They seem to encourage their children to do what they want to do with a certain amount of support.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. No. For sure. Yeah. I can see that.
0: Yeah. And what like what what were you doing? You know, what what kind of stuff did you get involved with when you were younger? What were your interests? How'd you end up in the arts? Was it always something you were interested in?
1: I mean, like, yes and no. When I was a kid, I was mostly like sports and video games and, you know, (laughs) that kind of vibe for sure. And then but was always really wanting to go to the, you know, the drama productions at school and the high school ones, even though I had no idea what was going on and my mom would take me like, I had some very clear, you know, fixation on whatever that is, you know? Yeah, Um, and then essentially I was in school and I was 10 and this, you know, wonderful man, John Dunsworth, who has since passed, he, uh, he came to my class looking for kids to like audition for this CBC movie of the week called Pit Pony. Yeah. And I just got like, you know, picked to go audition for it. And then I auditioned for, I think I auditioned for it twice and then was in this, you know, CBC movie Pit Pony. And then that, that movie turned into a TV show, which we shot in Cape Breton, which is an island in Nova Scotia. But, uh, mainland to the north beautiful 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 place that's how it all started and then it just continued from there in lots of strange ways i suppose
0: so you weren't even really acting you were just um interested and there was a guy a director who was auditioning kids
1: yeah well he was a yeah a casting director and he's a (laughs) phenomenal actor himself john dunsworth played uh, mr Leahy in the show trailer park boys which is which is a show that um right massive massive in canada and has a a bigger following elsewhere now um and uh it's a
0: comedy show right
1: and then i was on trailer park boys when i was like i think i was 13 13 or 14 maybe that must
0: have been huge
1: (laughs) it was fun um (laughs) the long time ago now um but yeah so that's essentially how it began i think it was a nice way to begin that way because here you are you're just like you know i'm in nova scotia it's still nobody was not supportive, but it was definitely like, you know, this probably isn't your future. So keep up your grades, play your, you know, as a big soccer player, play your soccer, like,
2: et right. cetera. Yeah. And
1: then I just sort of kept working more and more and more. And then I, I left Halifax at 16 and moved to Toronto and just committed to hoping that I could make this happen. And
0: well, Did you train at all or did you just go with it and learn on the job?
1: I just, yeah, I just went with it and learned on the job. Um, but I suppose, you know, it's just like, around so many, you know, incredible people all the time right. and working with all these extraordinary
0: good directors, filmmakers,
1: yeah, and writers in Canada, fantastic actors and yeah. you know, constantly feeling inspired and learning so much. Yeah. It just sort of it just continued.
0: Yeah, and also I mean it seems like you have the, this sort of natural almost genetic emotional inclination that makes a, a good actor and like a good um sort of activist as well is that you know that kind of sensitivity and empathy and ability to connect fairly quickly to somebody else's uh um emotional experience
1: yeah i mean i think for me it's been one of the most incredible gifts doing this job in terms of being in a society where we're changing more and more in the ways we speak of these things but so encouraged like not to feel you know like yeah. so to not uh, connect with our emotions because it can you know it can scare us or you know what have you and I think to have a job where like your literal job is to connect with this like other, you know, uh, you know, I, a character, I suppose, I don't know what other word you'd use for yeah. it to just like really connect with that person on a deep, deep level.
2: Right. Um,
1: and go to, you know, perhaps different spaces in yourself that you weren't necessarily aware of or things come out, you know, it's really an incredible experience. And then you hope obviously, yes, people watching the work or when I watch work that really moves me, you know, it's you have this yeah. sort of shared emotional experience and like, Connection to each other, whether it's just like fun and joyous or painful, or
0: right. um, So, when you like when you do, because I've talked to to actors about it before, and like I, I, it's and it's very different answer for 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 all of them. It seems about you know how much you know doing a particular character sort of informs them forever in a lasting way, and it sounds like you've had that experience probably a few times where you do a role and it, it it does introduce you to a part of yourself that you didn't know. And then you can then sort of integrate that for better, or for worse into your life.
1: Yeah. And I think um, that it's like interesting when I think about that, when I was like younger and like yeah. a kid and, and a teenager, especially like when roles started to become, you know, mid teens, late teens, just like more intense, you know, yeah. more, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot more to it. And, you know, some really awful scenes to shoot, traumatic things. And I feel like when I was younger, it was actually kind of probably quite, quite tricky to know yeah. how to compartmentalize, to know how to set it aside. and Because right. you're also, you're experiencing so many things for the first time yourself, you know, like you're really, truly that, you know, you're starting to discover and figure out how to establish you know, some kind of sense of an individual identity and an, an authentic voice, and like going through all those things that we're always going through in our lives, but particularly as teenagers. And you do think about certain like roles and, and situations in that time. And now it's nice to have the experience where you are able to like take certain things, leave certain things, hold on to something if that feels necessary. Don't if you know much more able to kind of navigate that right emotional aspect of of the, of the work. Yeah.
0: And also life, I would imagine.
1: Yes. And life. Yeah. <laughs> that thing too. Yeah. Working on
0: that one. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. That work never seems to stop because there's always so many curveballs thrown at you. And when you started getting the attention, did you ever live out here? I'm in LA.
1: Yeah. I lived in LA for like 10 years. Much.
0: Oh, yeah. And and you moved yeah. out here, uh, you know, what? when you did um, the first X-Men or when did you come out?
1: No, I moved out um, sort of right after, like, Juno came out.
0: Like, okay. sort of
1: properly moved there and lived there. So I would have been, like, 21.
0: And, you know, because I know that sort of, like, for probably for not better or worse, but for worse, I mean, that sort of shaped your, I think that the the elements of show business that are kind of disgusting... Uh, has sort of shaped some of your your social activism and also just who you are as a public person. Did you feel that right away when you got out here, or did you have any fun initially?
1: <laughs> oh, um, in that period, um, it's a really good question, and you know the honest the honest answer to that is, you know. I fell in love with a woman for the, the very first time, you know, after we'd shot Juno before the film came out. And, um, and I, and I just remember very much like Juno came out, obviously that changed things in an instant. There's incredible things that come with that clearly, but yes, then the sort of aspect of, you know, people can't know you're gay. You know, wear like the dresses and the heels and all these things to make it seem like this is who you are. You know, that became that just became such a massive part of my experience.
0: These were the people that were surrounding you that were managing your career or you?
1: This it was. Uh, uh, well, you know, you you can't not include yourself because you, you you're know, going I along was, with it. Yes, but it, um, I wasn't well (laughs) um and I think you know individuals who were expressing that and who I've had conversations you know long conversations with about that time and apologies you know these really I think the thing that is is so fucked up is you know the thought is in that time uh, is uh oh we're just you know we're trying to do our job and and like help you and like help your career and all of this But what a, needless to say, a horrible thing to be, um, to even just be, let alone, you know, to be experiencing that at the time. Becoming very quite known overnight, then kind of, you know, after having some growth and evolution in terms of self discovery, and, and then that just sort of going squash a little bit on that. But then you feel, you know, it's so, you're so fucking also like, you're so, you know, so fortunate you know gives me the career it gives me like such immense you know privilege and opportunity and so you also feel like oh I don't think I'm allowed like should I be talking about my pain like that feels you know you feel like you can't
0: sure sure
1: like you know even now it's like I still have a hard time (laughs) like talking about that period to be honest so my experience was um you know, it's hard to know what to say because even though it's, you know, amazing all these things are happening, this other aspect of it was just not, it was incredibly, incredibly painful and difficult to to say it like very, you know.
0: Yeah. I mean, emotional trauma is is real. I mean, you know, and, and life defining and, you know, kind of recovering from your own part in it, you know, and the PS in the sort of PTSD of that, of, of. Uh, of of not allowing yourself to engage with that part of yourself, that kind of detachment necessary uh, to live like that is, you know, it's, it's destructive to, you know, it's just a destructive thing. I mean, it's a real, you know, it's a real trauma.
1: I mean, you know, the shame is just,
0: ugh,
2: It's
1: so incredibly toxic and just it affects every aspect of who you are. It affects your mind. It affects you physically. It affects the way you relate to the world. It's, you know. um, Just
0: because, like, that's how you're, that's the lens you see yourself through because of the situation.
1: Well, I think, you know, let's, you know, okay, you're having this experience at this age in Hollywood. You've also had the entire experience of your life, like growing up gay, you know, (laughs) and growing up gay and, you know, Halifax, Nova Scotia. I'm not, you know, I'm, you know, I'm 33 now. You know, I mean, yeah,
0: but you knew, you know,
1: it wasn't, yeah, you know, like yes, but not, you know, um right. and so you've, you know, you also just have all of that, right. <laughs> you know, your experience in school or getting teased or, yeah, you know, chased to be beaten up, whatever, you know, right. it's like, or just all the things that are happening in your life in the midst of all that just pertaining to that sort of one issue in terms of your identity. Um, Right. And so, yes, so then you're, you're kind of, you know, you're experiencing all of that and all of that, you know, shame that's already been like living in you for so long.
0: Right. And then on, you know, and then on top of that, you're getting this, you know, perverse and, uh, you know, violent attention from men, you know, sexually who can't read that at all. And then, you know, you have to deal with that kind of assault on top of your own personal shame and your own struggle to sort of, you know, become who you want to be.
1: You mean in terms of working with certain people in the industry? Remember yeah. Me? Oh, yeah. Awful. <laughs> Just like, I remember one night at a party in L.A., like a one of my best friend's, you know, birthday parties, and this guy, um, uh, he uh, works in the industry, And he, you know, he began, he was clearly, like, not sober at the time, but that's irrelevant. Um, And he was just being really homophobic.
2: Uh
1: Just saying the, like, craziest shit to me. I just, just like, I, I, like, kept trying to get him to stop. People weren't really, like, doing anything. And he, like, wouldn't, it wouldn't stop. And then it turned into, like... All these, you know, explicit sexual comments about how I'll do this so you won't be, you know, just Uh horrible, horrible, fucking horrible. Yeah. So I'd say that's like, that was like, you know, the, the, that was the, that was like the package all in one. But
0: early on, like when he said that, you know, you fell in love with a woman for the first time when you were, you know, right when Juno happened. So you were struggling with this public image and the maintenance of a false public image in, in, was that a relationship? Was she, was that someone you were with and had to deal with that with you?
1: Um, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and what, you know, how, what was that dynamic? How were those discussions? What, you know, did, did that, you know, help you in any way or was it just totally destructive?
1: um i mean she you know so i don't know ask anybody ever asked me this in this way um i mean she was incredibly like su- you know supportive
2: right mm-hmm. it was
1: like such an overwhelming time
2: right yeah, right
1: and i think i you know it was it obviously it, you know it sucked it's like sure you know not to sound so eloquent but it sucked and you know it's you're just navigating it and it's You know, it's hurting your relationship, and it's just like, you know, you're not having the experiences you know other people have um, in relationships
0: because you're you're kind of you're 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 tearing yourself apart because you're living in these two different worlds. You can't be out and having a good time in public like you might want to be, and then the person that you're with has to be supportive, but also has to watch your inner struggle manifesting all the time. What you want to do and what you think you can.
1: yeah. Or how, you know, it's internalizing for them and, the, and yeah. how they're feeling or, um, so definitely not easy in another part and, right. know, of yeah. how toxic it is when people are put in these positions. Um,
0: well, I mean, I read that, like, I, I don't know what the timeline is. I mean, I read the, I watched the, um, you coming out at the, uh, human rights, uh, event. And then I read the Facebook page, the Facebook thing you wrote about Ratner, and that's later, right? Much later, right? Yeah. What year did you come out publicly? When would the, when did that happen?
1: Uh, Two thousand fourteen. So I was twenty seven. I was just about to turn twenty seven. Yeah.
0: Wow. It's a long time, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But it was one of those situations where people knew, right?
1: You mean like just people? Yeah. Well, yeah. You like have friends in my life. And,
0: and the industry totally. and everybody else. Yeah.
1: Totally. And but you know, it took time. It took time and t- significant time to get more and more comfortable with with that. Right. Like you know, before coming out publicly, it was very like, okay, here's just like, you know, n- now I'm ready to really do this. But up, you know, leading up until that point, it was very just. Yes, I assumed it was like, you know, it, it wasn't something that I was like hiding necessarily in my like personal life anymore. Um, right. Just hadn't sort of done that, you know, taken that like public public step. Um, but it took, you know, it took it, it took time to even just get comfortable with like mentioning that my girlfriend was coming to visit when right. I'd be shooting a film or something. Like it took me a long time to even get there. And then someone might say something to you who thinks they're being, I I don't know what they're thinking, like another actor. Right. That could be like one little comment that they never remember, you know, all, you know, so many of the things that have been said to me that like, can then really, you know, make you go, ooh, you know, and like kind of get scared again, you know? Right. Right. Um, or an agent say something, or somebody make a joke, and you get scared again. Like you know, it's, right. some kind of comment could get made. Is all I mean. That like, could then make you go like, "Oh no!" And like, kind of retract away again. Oh, so t- it became it, like a bit of that kind of an experience.
0: It's terrible. It's it's like because you're you know you, you seem very kind of um, you know sensitive, and and I I'm pretty sensitive, but I you know over years you really learn how to. Uh, kind of navigate in a, in a, um, with a certain guard up, you know? And, uh, it just sort of becomes a thing and, you know, the, it, it becomes a difficult, uh, thing to believe that, that being out in the world and being sensitive is good. Do
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: you know what I mean? Like, what's the point of that?
2: Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that just seems fucking crazy. So, during all that time, you start you just build up a certain amount of strength around your your life and your your life decisions and your lifestyle and a certain comfort and then, like, I imagine the day that you decide to do that you know, like to come out like at what point, I guess that's the question because i I have found this in my own life a bit that I mean, when do you realize that you're know, part of your responsibility? In, in your own personal struggle is to to sort of you know provide a, an example or, or 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 some sort of hope for other people, you, you know, like because it seems like you are very aware of that now, and and that in your particular situation, uh, the struggle to you know sort of be who you are, be comfortable with it, be public about it, in a world where you, you know there there is violence and judgment and um uh you know lack of justice for people who are marginalized, when do you realize, I imagine your personal struggle gets sort of, at some point, gets sort of the back seat to, you know, what is a public problem? And did that coincide with you deciding to come out, or did you realize that after?
1: No, I think it it coincided in in many ways, because I always you know hopefully and 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 we'll hope to continue to is operate from a place of like with privilege with platform you know we Mm -hmm. we just must be using it that's just absolutely it's just it's just crucial it's just what we should be doing and i think um needless to say when you know you're living in a space where you like literally cannot be who you are um and how much that's the, the toll that that does take on you and then to sort of like get through that. Yeah. And I feel like this can be a lot to talk about, quite frankly. Sorry. <laughs> um, I think when you, you do go through, you know, certain times in one's life that aren't, are not easy, um, that go to some scary places and then you realize, you know, On top of that, the degree of privilege and how fortunate you are, knowing that certain resources I had to heal, to get better, to get help, all of these certain things that, you know, a lot of people just, like, don't even have, you know, don't even have access to. Right. And I, I think it's a matter of in terms of, you know, those aspects coming together was very much like, okay, like, now I'm in this place where I'm out, I'm talking about this, and, like, now I can, like, really go just. Um, make this work that I really, really want to make, you know, whether it was, you know, making the documentary with Vice, Vacation, um, and in general, just, you know, making films with queer stories, roles, et cetera. Um, and so that was, I'd say, like a big jumping off point in terms of, okay, now, like, <sighs> like just really wanting to move forward.
0: God, that must have been a relief.
1: It was, yes, it was a big relief. (laughs) You know what is crazy, though, that the day after I came out, I flew, like, the next morning to Montreal to do reshoots for X-Men. Like, a day, I think, or two days, maybe? Yeah. And then I get on the plane to fly back, and a priest was sitting behind me. Yeah. (laughs) And maybe, like, a couple hours into the flight, I felt a little, like, touch on my shoulder and he handed me a note and I was thinking oh okay this is maybe he's just like a really cool progressive you know (laughs) and then it was just this like awful note he wrote like I took the, the liberty of googling you and found out about your recent announcement and then wrote me a whole handwritten letter about like you're going to hell not you're going to hell, but, but you know, when they write, when they're saying you're going to hell, but they, they write it in a nice way.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. That you're, you're lost and that you're sinning uh-huh. and that, you know, Jesus is so, there. Yeah.
1: Right. M- massive relief, like 100%. But then that was just very like, <laughs> yeah.
0: A reminder. A on the, a
1: plane. Yeah. Two days later, like two days later.
0: Yeah. Just sort of, uh, you, yeah. Still, uh, here, you know. Yeah. This is still, this is still here. Yeah. This will never <laughs> go away. Do you, do, you get a, do, do you get a lot of unsolicited hate?
2: Um,
1: I guess no one solicits what,
0: hate, but you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. I mean, just, no, like very rarely. Um, well, that's good. It's, it, it's usually just if, you know, you've talked about something in terms of wanting, wanting marginalized people not to suffer and people get very upset um, about that. So <laughs> for some right. reason, like, you'll get hatred out of, like,
2: right. you know, Wanting to talking help people.
1: about yeah. LGBTQ equality in general or speaking about how, you know, something's queerphobic or what have you or transphobic right. or what have you. So right. that's when hate comes in. But, yeah.
0: Yeah, they're just that mostly these people that, you know, I, religious people, I understand more than just people who are so threatened by other uh, that they seem, you know, that you, there, there is no way to change their mind. There is no way to make them see it differently, unless something just by um, coincidence happens in their life that uh, that makes them realize it, like something that they love or somebody they know has, you know, an experience that jar, you know, jogs them out of their hatred. But it doesn't seem that there is any, there is no teachable sort of uh, magic trick that's going to get these people to, to act like fucking humans frustrating
1: <laughs> yeah yeah tell me about it i mean i um you know i think people can and do change of course you know yeah i've seen people in my you know own life you
0: have change i have in,
1: yeah in so many ways so that's where i try and sit with like hope and love when i start getting angry because i've also you know with the show i make you know, with Vice, where we traveled around the world to, for, you know, LGBTQ communities in different countries. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's um, a great show.
0: It's and it's, it's very um, gutsy what you do, you know, when you stay in it, you know, you put yourself in at a certain amount of emotional and even physical risk to, uh, to hold your ground. And it's very, uh, it, it's great. It's a great show. Oh,
1: thanks. But yes, that is an example of talking to people where, You know, you can find yourself just trying to like pour your heart out to connect in your mind. You're like, how can this person not just how can we not just like look at each other, share a moment and come to the conclusion that loving each other (laughs) and accepting each other is just totally the better way to go, like for everybody.
0: And and, Um, what's what's been your uh, experience walking away from those situations where that doesn't happen? How do you explain it?
1: Oh, I don't know. I mean, that's where I was going to go with that. It's like and then, you know, you're having this conversation and it's just like you're not. But look, this is like one, you know, it's obviously short in the show, but it's like maybe a two hour conversation. Right. You're not spending. You're not like, right. You know, in a reality show where you're like roommates for two weeks or something.
0: Roommates with Um, Ted Cruz for two weeks.
1: Oh, yeah. oh man! Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's hard. it's hard. Yeah. And you're mostly reflecting on like the individual and, and those certain spaces we go to that are, you know, uh, incredibly, you know, risky. And people just just being themselves is a risk to their lives. You know, every day. Which is the same in many places here too. Like, don't get me wrong, but sure. you know what I'm saying. So yeah. you you walk away from some situations feeling, uh, you know, more inspired than you've ever been, and then you leave other situations where you're just sort of heartbroken yeah. by a place that people seem to get where they think a certain way about others that uh, is it's quite it's cruel. I think right. it's the level of cruelty that's in a lot of it that's really awful, and so much of what's stuck with me and you know certain situations making that show
0: right and also just sort of like i i I mean i I was trying to think about because it seems that you know i don't i don't know which movie that that experience you had with brett ratner was on was that the first of the x-men movies
1: it was the third x-men movie the third one um and the first one i did i was 18 yeah
0: okay so that was okay right but just to be in like because like to realize, you know, in retrospect and, and and to to kind of sort of put that moment in that that reality into perspective, you know, as a, as you know, when you did it on Facebook. Like and and then to, to sort of realize that like that was just people just put up with that shit. And they still do that. That, that guy thought he was being funny. Right.
1: Honestly, it's that whole situation and that that film set was just the worst it's like uh, the worst the worst and i mean i've written about it so it's not like i'm you know saying something new by any means but and then you know i referenced a couple experiences other experiences just ones in the at the age of 16 but it's like (laughs) you know the amount that i could (laughs) write or stories i could tell and then um you know, and obviously we're having a different conversation about it, but it's right. like, its you know, you still see this behavior happening. You still see individuals having, you know, successful careers.
0: Right. And, but but call, by calling him out and he got called out for other things just by, you know, putting you on the spot in a vulnerable place and, you know, outing you in, in a way that was hostile and, uh, con- you know, and uh, aggressive. And then like. It, I
1: mean, beyond. Yeah. Hostile and aggressive and like encouraging someone next to this. It's like, I don't even want to say it. Like that one comment he made. It's awful.
0: Right. Encouraging someone else in the cast publicly in that moment in front of other people to to have sex with you.
1: Uh, A member of the crew, but yeah.
0: Oh, a member of the crew. Yeah. Yeah. And making everybody, you know, just like, yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah. And then everybody's just standing there like, what the fuck just happened?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know,
0: it's just. And then, cause cause he's the director, you got to move on. Yeah. And the the thing is, is like it, it seems that the the hardest part about that about that being the status quo is that, you know, it's so, like ingrained, in the the power structure of the business, that you know, in order for them to see that they're being inappropriate or or, or totally uh, wrong, is difficult like it takes a lot yeah you know and I, I think that there's that that cultural moment of educating you know people about behavior and about sensitivity and about you know respect you know it was a long time coming and i think it's possible but you know these the bigger monsters you know seem to uh, have a lot of them have been made e- examples and, and 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 i think that serves to you know make lesser monsters rethink who they are which is good
1: Yeah. And I think too, like what you said in terms of people becoming more aware of like, you know, sensitivity, et cetera, it's like, there's that counter to it of, oh, you're being too sensitive. Oh, you can't take a joke. You know, that kind of energy. Oh, why can't you like, why do you have to get so emotional or whatever, you know, all these things that are said. (laughs) It's like it's also like, when I think of that Brett comment and Uh, you know other like his behavior in general or other things that have been said to me in this industry and you just think of like okay you made that comment do you have any concept of a just how awful that is regardless of like any of my personal experience or or anything it is just plain awful but if we're looking at in terms of this you're sensitive it's a joke whatever it's like like you know the experiences people have had in their own world and at their intersection of identity and then you go and like you know make some comment that you think's a fucking funny joke when you've absolutely no clue what's going on in someone's life right what they could be dealing with at the time in right. terms of that very thing you're speaking of publicly in front right. of people yeah it's like not only is it awful and not funny and mean it's like it's 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 very dangerous and I find when people are being so dismissive of people saying, you need, like, hey, this thing you just said, or what you're saying right now about, you know, this community is hurtful, and, you know, and the response is so dismissive.
0: Take a joke. Just. Yeah.
1: I, like, let's all just, like, take a moment.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And give people an opportunity, like, never did really have an opportunity to, like, express how they feel and how that makes them feel. And, and, you know, we've all had to do work in our own ways, right? It's like, I don't, you know, we've all had to grow and evolve. And, you know, I, like, I'm not trying to, but I am just saying, like, we need to understand that this right. stuff is, you
0: know. It's hurtful and it's dangerous and it, and it can provoke, uh, you know, an, anything from, um, you know, verbal abuse to physical abuse to, you know, to violence, you know, to murder. I mean, like these, like in, in, and in. in Self, it, you it, know, it,
1: self harm, like
0: self. That's another point. Yeah, it, I mean, it gives people license. You know, self harm through shame and and physical harm through you know feeling uh, uh, entitled to be violent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I understand all that, and it's uh it's it's pretty devastating. But I just was thinking yesterday because you said like something just rang with me. I, I, just, I interviewed um Leah Remini yesterday about Scientology, and um. And she's I like her and and but she one of the tools in dealing with these kids who grew up in it who were separated from their parents and were having emotions was to, you know, quit crying, suck it up. You know, like the same type of thing is what you're talking about, you know, with the the status quo of the power dynamic in in the business. And and how lesser people like not it comes down from the top. But you know everybody's sort of like, nah, you know, don't be so sensitive, just, you know, suck This is the way he is and what you know. It's the same kind of gaslighting, brainwashing shit.
1: I mean, that's literally what happened as I referenced in that op-ed about the Brett Ratner incident. That two producers came to my trailer cuz I had been on set like you know, not wanting to put up with it, you know, and it was basically like, "We know Brett's an issue, but you know, you can't talk to him that way and we need to yeah we need to you know we're all just like so aware and then when i wrote that op-ed i get an email from one of the producers that's like oh my god i'm so sorry i had no idea i I didn't write back but i wanted to be like you were the person i was talking about
0: right right and that's when the email was them covering their own ass
1: i suppose yeah
0: but, uh, but, like, you know, given that, you know, there has been some, at least, you know, cultural attention and some uh, small amount of justice in some of these situations, how, how much did it affect, um, you know, your relationship with Hollywood, either in getting work or, or even wanting to work there?
1: After coming out and everything, yeah. you mean? Yeah. That's what made me want to keep doing the work again, right. to be honest. I think I in in the time of just being so closeted and and not well and um certain ways i didn't feel in i wasn't feeling inspired right i wasn't uh wasn't living as my true self i i i had those thoughts in my early 20s like god i don't know if this is how i feel now like i'm right. not i'm not so sure you know um and periods where i just sort of like was like left and go back to Nova Scotia and, you know, but then I'd work again. And, um, and then it was really coming out and making the steps I wanted to make in my life that made me love the work again and made me, you know, want to tell stories that mean something to my heart and use the privileges and the resources I have to uh, hopefully, you know, help in any way I possibly can with, with what I have.
0: Yeah, and you worked with, like, uh, a woman that I was, you know, involved with, Um, you know, it looks like right before you came out-ish, you worked with Lynn Shelton on Touchy Feely. Yeah,
1: I'm so sorry, Mark.
0: I'm so sorry. What was it, uh, what was your experience with her?
1: Oh, my, um... (laughs) my experience with Lynn was extraordinary. Lynn was the kind of human being that made you want to be a better human being, right? She was the kind of person who you felt an overwhelming sense, sense of joy, walking onto set every morning and seeing her because she was just a person who was nothing but heart Yeah. And so deeply sincere and generous, and made work, at least for me, it seemed out of just such deep love for what it means to be a human being in the world and the joy of it and the pain of it. And Lynn was absolutely one of the best directors I've ever worked with. And, you know, yeah. I'm really lucky that our craft. Paths crossed,
0: and yeah, and
1: I'm uh I'm incredibly um sorry for your loss.
0: Yeah, everybody everybody lost somebody great there, you know.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, in terms of telling the stories that you're telling now, and thank you for saying that. Um, like, I find that like even watching you know something in the water, which I guess you did last year, the documentary about the environmental racism and the and the corporate uh, exploitation of uh of land and uh, and the destruction of communities of you know marginalized people i like going into that first i want to ask you after watching it cuz i i don't know if i if i if i i under, at the very end has anything good happened in any of those stories since you made the movie
1: <laughs> um, <clears throat> Well, boat boat harbor, which yeah. was the the you know the where the mill effluent was going to right. pick their landing First Nations, that has been closed. So that now is on the process of healing. And um, oh yeah, and you know it'll be a long you know process to get it clean into where it needs to be. But yes, that that's huge news.
2: But so yeah. right
1: now the uh, and then uh, a, a, a new community well will be going in to Shelburne um soon um and then the situation with alton gas is yeah. like you know ongoing but they are they've kind of there's been a good roadblock for them so um,
0: oh yeah
1: uh-huh so they're they they can't operate for a while now and then i think that yeah and then the grassroots grandmothers obviously are still
0: um in yeah. their working uh...
1: hard against them and uh, you know it's like endless there's always
0: so in the community of the 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 older um, black community of, it's, that's Shelburne, right?
1: That's Shelburne, yeah.
0: Now, because like when I was watching, I was like, you know, if if this is what's necessary, did did this did the um, government take care of it, or did somebody step in and 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 provide the well?
1: Somebody stepped in, yeah.
0: No shit. Yeah. Yeah. That that was like sort of the amazing thing about that story that, you know, you know, for people who haven't seen the the film Something in the Water, it's a documentary, is, you know, this was, a, you know, a, a, a community that, what was it, in the 60s or in the 40s, they built that dump?
2: hmm
0: You know, and this happens, every, you know, there, this has happened in the States too, that, you know, and then they just bury it and then it just destroys the well water and everyone gets cancer. But, you know, when it comes down to solving the problem, they can't get government attention and it's it, and the money that would have required to help you know, turn everything around is so small and it did take private charity to to do that.
1: Yeah. But even that was, you know, that was a whole thing too, even.
0: Oh, for them to do it with private money.
1: It was a bit. Yeah. I mean, there was just always um, it always felt like (laughs) obstacles where where there didn't need to be. But clearly this is all literally what environmental racism is, you know, disproportionate amount of landfills, industrial pollution placed in black and indigenous communities and the, and the lack of government response. Right. That's like, that's just one of the biggest ones.
0: Like, I I mean, it's, yeah, it's a sort of like, you know, uh, a kind of genocide through negligence after a certain point is a continuation. Like even now in the, in the world that we're here in the States, it just seems like, you know, part of the, you know, the incompetence around dealing with the spread of the coronavirus is that it's affecting marginalized people, uh, in disproportionately to, to white people. And I have to assume that this particular administration is fine with that on some level.
1: Well, I mean, if you look at, you know, what they've said in their actions, yeah, yeah. I mean, what else would one, you know. Um, but yeah, and then environmental ra- like in- racism plays into that a huge part, because if you're living in one of those communities, yep. you're, you know, higher cancer rates, higher respiratory illnesses, and then in terms of that intersecting with the virus, you know, you're more so it's none of these things are are separate, you know?
0: It's awful. It's all it really terrible.
1: Is. I know. <laughs> I know. There's I can't a very cute dog asleep right there though. That's oh that's good.
0: Well that you gotta hold on to those moments. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's every no, day. I know. It's a goddamn struggle. And I was—I didn't know where, you know, where you were at and getting into the conversation because, you know, you're you're you know, we're all, you know, people who are sensitive to this stuff. And, and it just the weight of it on a day to day basis is 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 pretty hard to deal with. You know, mine's been compounded by some, you know, these other things that happen. But but it's like I. It's relentless. So you know, what are you doing? Uh, you know, just uh, on a day to day basis to keep some level of like. Well, you're out in the woods. You got a dog. You're with your uh, wife, I imagine. Mm-hmm. So that's nice, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I I think of like my experience compared to what other people are dealing with in right. this time, and yes, yeah. like I'm I'm totally fine, and I you know we hang out walk the dog read been doing a lot of press you know just like
0: You're doing press for yeah. oh for the umbrella academy umbrella, I yeah i didn't really uh, like, talk about that is that fun for you do you have fun
1: <laughs> i have so much fucking fun <laughs> and i think the season's really really fucking good but you, uh, i'm happy to talk about whatever you want to talk about
0: well that's good that's enough for, you know, that's a good pitch.
1: But yeah, no, the, I, I fucking, I, I love the show and I had a blast this season. So, oh, good. Um, well, that's I good. I do suggest people check it out.
0: And uh, your wife's a choreographer? Yeah. Now, was this something, like, because, like, dance is one of my blind spots in terms of really appreciating, you know, the art of it and the history of it and, and even the performance of it. Was that something, Did you, were you into it before you knew her?
1: No, it wasn't that familiar. Yeah. Um, and the first time I saw her was on Instagram, a band that I love, Sylvanesso. I don't know if you know them. They're so, so good. Oh, I know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I do. I know. Sylvanesso. Yeah.
1: Sylvanesso. Yeah. Like, Sylvan yeah. yeah. And they reposted a, a video of, from Emma's Instagram of her, you know, dancing to one of their songs. And I just was like, holy, I just was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs>
2: like, yeah.
1: What is that? Yeah so extraordinary i was so moved i was like who is it and then i was like looking at her other videos and i like yourself didn't have any real exposure to dance Mm -hmm. so this was this sort of whole new thing i was even seeing um and then i followed her on instagram and that is like how our whole you know first connection even even uh, began Uh and then obviously from being with her have been introduced more to dance and it's it's incredible. You should honestly watch her work. i think it gonna be annoying that it's like it's so. She is so extraordinary. She's just absolutely one of the most talented people I've ever known.
0: Well, I'll definitely will. You know, because I find that I'm very, I, I get pretty, pretty sensitive to that. Like, like even like any sort of theater. If we ever get back to it, but like even musicals. And I've said it a lot. Like I, even if a musical is happy, I'll cry just because there's so much. Uh, expression. There's something about singing. There's something about people singing in a joyful way. And I think dance is the same way that you, you don't know exactly w- w- how it's moving you, but it definitely is as an expression, very pure and, and, and has a, a profound effect. So I, I will check her out.
1: Oh yeah. You must. Her work is just like completely breathtaking. Yeah.
0: Well, look, I, 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 I had a, a, this was great talking to you and um. And thank you for doing what you do. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you had a good time. You're somebody who I, I want to have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. I'm glad that you, you're excited about Umbrella Academy. And, and also, like, it's so interesting, the two sides of it. You have something in the water over here, and then you have Umbrella Academy over here. So, you know, you, people can have a full, you know, <laughs> full arc of an experience. You know, But I would watch Umbrella Academy After uh, something in the water If you're going to do a double header
1: And they're both on Netflix So there it's a really, Just... easy, really easy switch You don't even need to go anywhere Just <laughs> Roll into the next one
0: <laughs> Yeah. So well take care of yourself And uh, it's good talking to you
1: Thanks you too Mark
0: That was me and Ellen Page Heavy but good Right? She's currently in the Umbrella Academy on Netflix. Seasons 1 and 2, you can see. They're streaming and also the doc we talked about. There's Something in the Water, also on Netflix. And, uh... I'm sorry, sometimes I realize that... Hear that? That's my, my little beard rubbing on the mic foam. I will try to watch that. And now I will play some guitar for you. And... Um, I'm going to go eat something after this. You guys... key.